DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We're going to be joined by Phil Steele momentarily. Phil Steele's college football preview. And, of course, things are changing pretty quickly, PK. You know, he, he, does, pro, he does these uh, profiles for all these teams. And, and uh, you know, in the case of Utah State, just in the last week, you know, he does a lot of online stuff, so he can update that. The, the printed stuff can be a little trickier depending on how stuff happens around his deadlines, which you know well because of the newspaper industry and stuff happened around those deadlines. Um, but, you know, you do the whole homework on Utah State, and you think Columbia's going to be obviously the starting quarterback, but they get Shelly transferring in from the U, then Columbia enters the, the portal. It, that's a pretty big change on deadline when you're prepping for a college football season. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that was a significant change in a matter of forty-eight hours. <laughs> that at this time of year, no less. That was pretty crazy. And for Utah State, the question again is, uh, where is the depth? You know, because we thought Shelley was going to solve that. We thought, well, Columbia's shown well in, in the little bit of time he's gotten. We've heard good things about him. We've seen right. a little bit, and it's very little. It's a small sample, but it looks good. It looks like there's, you know, there's some upside, and that can progress. Then you get Shelley. It's like, okay, now you got two quarterbacks. I don't know what else they would have done. And now all of a sudden, they're right back down. They're they're right back down to one again. DJ PK, time now to talk college football with Phil Steele from Phil Steele's College Football Preview. He joins us on the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint are coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. Phil, good morning. Good morning. How are you gentlemen? We're doing well. We're doing well. Uh, You've got your uh, college football preview coming together. It's that time of year. And I'm curious, uh, in this kind of crazy year and not knowing what games are going to happen and when they might happen, was it hard for you to put this together or were in a weird way was a little easier with coaches more available? Yeah, the coaches were more available this year. Talked to about 110 of them. So, uh, and they had a lot of time. The average coaches call probably lasted about an hour this year. Uh, they were probably itching to talk some football when uh, when I called. And you know, the schedules. Uh, the good thing about the magazine is I base everything for my for my uh, conference predictions based on conference games. And you know, as long as we're playing conference games, I'm happy. I think we got ourselves a full schedule. We got some great football ahead of us. There'll be some matchups we miss out on. You know, like. Uh, Michigan traveling to Washington, Ohio State traveling to Oregon, USC playing Notre Dame, and uh, also Alabama. But I love the conference play, and I think we're going to have a, a good college football season. So in Pac-12 North, there's some coaching changes. When you make your predictions and your analysis, how much do you figure in coaching changes in terms of maybe some unknown stuff? Well, this year, coaching changes was a major thing for the magazine. Uh, you take a look at a, a school like Michigan State, uh, you know, Mark D'Antonio stepped aside after they had already signed their freshman class, and then they had to scramble around. Finally, they found Mel Tucker from Colorado to come over there. Uh, he had no spring practices with the team and only has 10 returning starters. So it was an inexperienced team to begin with. Doesn't have the knowledge of the players on the field. Of course, he has knowledge of the players off the field, especially with all these Zoom meetings and things like that. But that's a tough situation for our first-year head coach. And and for the most part, I think first-year head coaches are stepping into some tough situations unless they inherit a lot of talent. You know, like Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss, I think he inherited a very talented Ole Miss team uh, that had a lot of true freshmen last year. So he's, he's probably stepping into a decent situation. But for the most part, I thought it was a negative factor, especially with the lack of spring practices that were out there. 
Phil Steele joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. When you look at the Pac-12 South, I see a lot of people saying USC's the one, they're the favorite. ASU and Utah, you can put them whatever order you want. I think more people have Utah two than three, but those are legit contenders. And the other three teams, we just don't know what UCLA, Arizona, and Colorado can possibly pull off. They seem to be pretty distant back from the other, the other three. Is that the way you see the division? That's exactly the way I see that division. Uh, you know, USC, I think if you look at them top to bottom at each position, they're arguably the most talented team in the Pac-12 this year. And I know last year uh, they lost some games, and folks are like, well, Clay Helton always loses games. You know, let's look back at some of the specifics of how USC lost those games. They had a first-time starting, first road start for a young quarterback when they played BYU and Slovis started. They lost that game by a field goal. Then they started their third-string quarterback, his first road start, lost to Washington. They lost to Notre Dame by three. So they had some close losses last year, 17 returning starters. I like Slovis. In fact, the majority, all the positions rank in my top units in front of the magazine. Biggest question marks might be offensive line and linebacker, but those are still top 25 units potentially. I think USC is the most talented team, along with Oregon, in the Pac-12 this year. And then, you know, Utah, you always have to count them in the mix with Kyle Whittingham. Whittingham is just one of the best head coaches out there. Now, a little disappointed, Coach Whittingham, last year. I picked him as my number one surprise team. All they had to do was beat Oregon in that Pac-12 title game, and they would have been the surprise team going from non-top 10 to make the playoff. Came up short in that game, but uh, I think they're in a – it looks like they're in a uh, rebuild thing, but he's to the point where he just reloads every year. And then Arizona State's got the exciting quarterback in Jaden Daniels. Uh, Good talent throughout as well, especially on the defensive side of the ball. They had a couple of freshmen that started two years ago. They're now juniors. So I think those three are clearly the top teams in the South this year. Concern about Oregon with uh, four to the five offensive linemen and a new quarterback, or do you think they got enough talent to overcome that? Yeah, I was very concerned before talking to Coach Cristobal this year, uh, and he's an OL coach. You know, so he's a, he's a guy that knows the offensive line, and he feels he'll be okay on the offensive line. Uh, and quarterback-wise, you know, Tyler Shaw, Anthony Brown, both uh, have some, some experience, uh, and they're both very talented guys. So I think they'll do okay there. They are weaker at quarterback and on the offensive line than last year. I mean, let's face it, last year's offensive line, arguably the best in college football. Justin Herbert, a first-round draft pick, they don't have that this year. But what they do have is a deep backfield with uh, Verdell, Dye, uh, Habibi Likio, Sean Dollar. They've got dangerous receivers, and uh, you look at them defensively, that's what really stands out to me. All three units rank in my top units. Number, number six defensive line, number 13 set of linebackers, and best secondary in the country. So I, I think Oregon, you know, after getting off the phone with Coach Cristobal, I'm like, wow, they, they compare to USC talent-wise this year. And uh, I think they're, they're clearly the favorite to win the North. The biggest contenders going to be Washington and then a dark horse. I'm going to throw Stanford out there. David Shaw hasn't forgotten how to coach football. I know he's coming off a four-win season last year, but he's got some talent there as well. Phil Steele joining us here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Um, I'm curious what you think of Utah quarterback. Obviously, the passing game was not good enough for the Pac-12 when they came in. It has improved. They're coming off their best year throwing the ball, but there is still room for improvement. They've got a pair of former four-star recruits. Both have transferred. Who do you think wins the job, and how good is that passing game going to be? 
You know, and I tried to get that out of Coach Whittingham. Sometimes the coaches will give me one of those 51-49 things, and I couldn't get it. You know, it's Jake Bentley and Cam Rising, and I think whichever guy starts, Utah's in good shape because those are two very highly touted quarterbacks coming out of high school, two quarterbacks with good size, have experience, have been in big-time programs. So I think whichever guy wins that race, they're in pretty good shape there. I'm wondering who's going to replace Zach All right, Moss. Well, he's not the only one who's wondering, PK. Hopefully he'll well, so, hopefully he'll call know, back in. He just got cut off, apparently. Sometimes that when you're that good and you want to replace him, you can't, so you just hang up. <laughs> that could be it. <laughs> it's not doable, click. <laughs> <laughs> it's not happening. Just empty the backfield all year. Sorry, Jordan Wilmar. Sorry. Uh, Phil Steele okay. just paid the ultimate compliment to Zach Morris. Yes, the, Zach Morris. Zach Moss. Zach Morris. Yeah, Zach Morris. Uh, the ultimate compliment for Zach Moss. You were talking about replacing him between the Zach and the Moss. You just cut out. We just figured that means it can't possibly be done. They can't replace him. So that, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I guess you guys don't like to talk about the departure of Zach Moss. Huh? You just hung yeah, up it, on it, it. everybody. Everybody takes a knee and just sobs quietly to themselves in in, yeah. Ute, in the Ute Kingdom there. Well, you know, I, I think Jordan Wilmore. When you look at him, he's he's not very tall. He's only five eight, but he's thick, and uh, he he's got some breakaway ability. And then Brumfield is a guy that's also got good size. Uh, doesn't have quite the elusiveness as what Whitmore or Wilmore, but uh, I, I think Brumfield has that opportunity. Uh, and even a Ty Jordan, you know, he's a guy that Texas even wanted. He's another five seven guy. But when you're running behind that offensive line, there's some big boys on the O line. I read the number thirty rated offensive line. Lack of height doesn't bother me at all because that allows you to hide a little bit behind the O-line. So I think Utah's going to be in good shape this year. It's going to be more of a reload than a rebuild. When you look to forecast the Mountain West, because they've earned it, is your default just going to Boise State? And the talent. I mean, Brian Harson's doing a good job recruiting. Uh, the biggest question mark is going to be the offensive line this year. It's the only unit that doesn't rank in my top units. But you go back to watch that Florida State game last year and what Hank Bachmeyer did. Phenomenal. And what they got to do is get him to take a few less hits. That's part on Bachmeyer because he held on to the ball a little long. And then part of it was based on the, the offensive line allowing some pressure. Uh, if they can keep him upright and healthy, they're going to be very dangerous this year. In fact, they could very well, if you look at their scheduled. I know they get Florida State at home potentially, uh, but they could be favored in every single game this year. So they're a threat to get to the New Year's Day 6 provided Harson's able to rework that offensive line, which only has one returning starter this year. San Diego State and Hawaii both had coaching changes. Air Force had a great year. Uh, 11-2, 7-1 in league. Uh, Utah State, obviously with an ever-changing quarterback situation. Who can pressure Boise State in this conference? Uh, and one team you didn't mention, Nevada. Uh, I know Nevada wasn't overwhelming last year, but they got 17 returning starters. It's in the fourth year of Jay Norvell. And I like the overall talent they have coming back this year. I think they've got a chance of even uh, winning that division. Keep your eyes on those guys. Carson Strong, a QB, really emerged in the second half of the year. Uh, Toa Tawa 
at running back. Uh, I think he gets back to the form he had two years ago, and they've got dangerous receivers and Cooks and Daubs. And the interesting conversation, you guys were talking about first-year head coaches before. Uh, you get on the phone with Coach Todd Graham, and he loves what he inherited at Hawaii. A lot of times a first-year head coach, I remember talking to Jeremy Pruitt at Tennessee the year he took over, and he's like, oh, my God, this you know, I wonder what kind of talent we even have here. Meanwhile, Todd Graham was just the opposite, loves his offensive line, loves his defensive players, loves everything he inherited. He thinks he's, they're going to be a key piece. So keep your eyes on Nevada and Hawaii in that division. And with Utah State, you know, prospects for them uh, got a little bit better uh, coming out. With the, I, I like the addition of uh, Jason Shelley, a quarterback. I think Shelley should step in, answer one of the questions they had coming in. And it is Gary Anderson's second year. You know, I asked Coach Anderson, I said, would you rather have just three returning starters on offense and an NFL quarterback or eight returning starters on offense and lose an NFL quarterback? He said he'd rather have the NFL quarterback there. But, you know, let's face it, Jordan Love last Last year, 20 touchdowns, 17 interceptions. Didn't have the year expected. Jason Shelley could top those stats this year. Well, BYU last year just had an unbelievable season with the maddening nature of winning games they weren't expected to win, losing games they weren't expected to lose. So they return a fair amount. What's your indication as far as what you think for them? Well, I've talked to Coach Sataki each year of his five years. This is by far the best team he's put on the field. And you go back to last year, you know, part of the reason for that up and down thing was all the different players they lost to injury. They had 49 different players start a game last year. That was number one in the FBS. They were down their top two running backs, their top linebacker, their top offensive lineman. They had to play a third-string quarterback. Yet BYU managed to pull out some wins, like that Boise State win. But top to bottom. This is the deepest, best team Coach Sataki's put on the field, starting with quarterback Zach Wilson and taking it through the entire lineup. There's really not an overall weak spot on this team. It's one of his better receiving cores, one of the best offensive lines. Uh, I think this is BYU's best team yet. And talking to Coach Sataki at the end of the conversation, he said, you know, Phil, we don't play the same schedule we used to play, which is true. BYU back you know, 20 years ago would pay, play maybe one, maybe two Power 5 teams. Well, some of those Power 5 teams are dropping off the schedule. Utah, Arizona State, Minnesota, they're not playing them this year. So we might see a, a big-time record increase for BYU this year. So a year ago, you know, they, they had three games led in the fourth quarter and they couldn't close out. That's the difference between 7-6 and six and 10-3. and three. They were all on the road. But they didn't have Tyson Williams at that point because he got hurt and they just, mm. they weren't as good in the running game after he went down. Do you think they're good in the running game this year and will be able to run the ball shorten games, and protect those leads that got away from them a year ago. Yeah, the good news is going through the running back position with Coach Sataki this year, they go about seven deep. I mean, there's Devontae Henry-Cole, Jackson McChesney, Siona Fanu, uh, Tyler Algier, Lopina Katoa, Bruce Garrett, Jackson Kafuzi. These are all guys that Coach Sataki feels confident in. So they are deeper, but I agree with you. Tyson Williams last year was was a difference maker early on, and I think not having him the rest of the year, basically losing your top two running backs, really did hurt him last year. But I do like the depth, and hopefully someone emerges and, and performs like Williams did, at least in those first couple of games. As far as the uh, you talk about the top half of the South Division and the Pac-12, in the bottom half, which was which is obviously UCLA, Arizona, Colorado, how far down do you see those three teams relative to the other three teams that you've already mentioned in the South? 
I've got major question marks on all three of those teams. You know, the Colorado question mark would be, hey, first-year head coach, uh, you know, late uh, late move in the coaching things. Once again, after the uh, recruiting thing was over, uh, how are they going to react to the new schemes, both offensively, well, defensively they don't change. they got Tyson Summers back, uh, which is good. Uh, and th- that would be a big question mark I have with Colorado. With Arizona, you know, hey, they had – Khalil Tate last year. <laughs> now they don't. I like what Grant Gunnell did last year, but that linebacking core with Colin Schooler, Tony Fields, you expect the defense to be better, but last year they gave up 471 yards per game. Can they fix the defense? And UCLA, uh, you just wonder when Chip Kelly's going to kick in, if he is. You know, at Oregon, he had a couple of advantages. The first one was Oregon had probably better facilities at that time than the rest of the Pac-12, so he was able to recruit real well. He's lost that advantage, and, and we've seen that in his recruiting classes. And the second was he was he brought in that hurry-up offense. Nobody was running. Well, not every college runs a hurry-up offense. So I think he lost his two major advantages that he had at Oregon. Now we're going to see if they can take care of business. But I'll say this. When I was talking to Coach Shaw of Stanford, he brought up Dorian Thompson-Robinson a couple times as a quarterback that really impressed him. So keep your eyes on DTR for UCLA this year. Nationally, is the playoff picture like it always is, uh, six teams scrambling for four spots and everybody else is uh, hoping slash pretending to be involved. But realistically, Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama, we can pencil them in, Oklahoma. Yeah, you're looking at my front cover. <laughs> it's, who you, it's who you have to project at the top, and Ohio State does look like the best team in the Big Ten. Clemson. Now, I'll say this about Clemson. Last year, there was Clemson. There was a cavernous gap, and then there was the number 2 ACC team. I don't even know who that was. This year, the ACC is a very improved conference. In fact, last year I rated it the sixth best conference. Sixth out of the, and they're a Power Five team uh, behind the American Conference. This year, I moved them all the way up to third. I like Miami, North Carolina, Virginia Tech, Pitt, and the Coastal. That's your most improved division in football. So the gap is closed, but nobody caught Clemson yet. And then Alabama, I think they've got to be the pick. Uh, you know, they have to fend off Georgia, Florida, and then Oklahoma, of course. Who's, we will have a battle with Texas, but I'm going to throw out a, a sleeper team for you. Uh, a team that's not in the top ten, much like I had Utah last year, my number one surprise team. And I'm going with Texas A&M. And uh, with the Aggies, I talked to Coach Fisher last year and going over the team with them, and two things stood out to me. One, they had a killer schedule. And as it turns out, they took on three number one ranked teams in the country. They took on the number four ranked team and the number eight ranked team. And the second thing that stood out, he didn't have a lot of seniors on the team last year. Very few. And this year, they are an experienced team. Fifteen returning starters, veteran quarterback in Kellen Mond. And as opposed to playing five top ten teams, including three number ones last year, they might play one top 10 team this year. They dropped to number 66 on my schedule strength. Now, they do have to go into Tuscaloosa and beat Alabama. So did LSU last year, and LSU got that done. So my number one surprise team this year, a team that I think could come out of the non-top 10 and perhaps make the playoff, would be um, the Texas A&M Aggies. Around our way, because of the connection, a lot of us follow Virginia Bronco Mendenhall. Most of his coaching staff was at BYU. They lose Perkins, who was their do-everything at quarterback. Uh, they won the division. What do you foresee for them as far as this season? 
Broncos a little fired up about this when I talk to them. Uh, you you look at you know they lose Perkins, and I like every other magazine out there is predicting Virginia lower. In fact, I've got him fifth in the division, and uh, he's a little fired up about that. He likes his replacement quarterbacks this year uh, in both uh, Brennan Armstrong and Keaton Thompson, who comes over from Mississippi State. And yes, there will be a drop off from what Bryce Perkins did. That man was a magician, but he doesn't think the drop off is going to be that much. He thinks he might have a improved running game with uh, Mike Collins at running back there. The offensive line looks solid. He likes the defense. And remember last year for Virginia, you know, when the season uh, went along in the first seven games, they were only allowing 19.7 points per game. Then basically the entire secondary got wiped out with injury and they gave up 34.5 points per game the last seven games. Well, they get some of those injured players back. They do lose some players, but uh, I picked Virginia fifth. I do think it's more of a rebuild than a reload there. But Coach Mendenhall's out to prove that it's not, and he feels they're going to be a contender in the Coastal. Phil Steele joining us. So this is a question you have never been asked before, but this year maybe it comes into play. If this college football season has to move to the spring, and if first-round guys, or maybe first, second, and third-round guys say, well, I'm not playing, I'm already going in the NFL draft, I'm not going to risk it, what do conference title races and the playoff race look like if you subtract at least 30 and maybe even as many as 100 players off the top of the college football season? I, I think it would be drastically different. And the, as you mentioned, you know, like if you're a middle-of-the-road team, you're not losing guys to the NFL draft, so you're just as strong. But if you're the Alabamas, the LSUs, the Oklahomas, the Clemsons out there, you're going to lose a bunch of guys. Clemson's not going to have Trevor Lawrence, a quarterback, or Travis Etienne, a running back. That could be a big-time drop-off. Now, they've got talent behind them. Not saying they don't, not saying they wouldn't compete. But, yeah, I mean, as far as guys that have been there, the experienced guys, you're losing your best players off the very top teams. I think that would make it for a very wide-open college football season. But, guys, I'm going for fall football here this year. I want to see them play football in the fall, and I think we will. We saw last year LSU was dominant. Of the teams that you have contending for the title this year, do you forecast anybody being as dominant as LSU was? No, I don't, because I can I can pick some holes in each of the teams that are at the very top. You take a look at Ohio State, for example. They lost a lot off the defense. Last year they had eight, nine returning starters on defense. Uh, this year they only have four. Some guy, Chase Young, headed off to the NFL. Uh, and so there's some question marks there for me. Running back depth is a question mark I have with Ohio State. With Clemson, it might be the receiving core. You know, having Justin Ross go down, uh, they weren't extremely deep. Normally, a team like Clemson goes three deep at receiver. They only went two deep, so they're not very deep at that receiver spot. They also have a, uh, excuse me, a younger offensive line in front of them. So there's question marks there. With Alabama, your question mark would be quarterback. With Oklahoma, it's can the defense improve? So each of those teams has a question uh, throughout, and I don't think we're going to see a team dominate, especially in playoff time, like LSU did last year. Phil Steele joining us. Phil, you've given us a lot of info. You've run through a lot of stuff, and I know you've only scratched the surface. For people who want to read you, some people like to, you know, they're old school, and they want to hold something in their hands. Our producer, Jake Hatch, is saying, that's me. He's in his 30s, but he wants to, other people are like, digital. I want to read it on my phone. I, I want to read it on the computer when I'm supposed to be working, even if I'm working at home. Uh, how do they find you, digital or, uh, you know, old school tree products? 
I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, the magazine, we actually uh, we sent it to the press on July the 8th. We got it back. It's in the office. We're shipping them out. There's pictures on, if you go, go to Phil Steele or at Phil Steele 042 on Twitter, you'll see pictures of the truck and the, the mailing crew shipping out these magazines. So if you are old school, and I'm old school, guys. I like, I like a magazine in my hands. Uh, then you head to philsteel.com, order it that way. Very limited distribution this year. Last year we printed 200,000 magazines. This year we're printing 50,000. So when they're sold out, they're sold out. The only two retailers that will have them are Books A Million and Barnes and & Noble. So those will be available there on July 24th at Books A Million and Barnes and & Noble. Other than that, go to philsteel.com to order it. And the, the version for your iPad, iPhone, computer, that will be available probably in about three or four days. We'll have that up. Follow me at philsteel042, and I'll keep you posted when that's available. Do you update the digital stuff with the transfer portal? Because it's uh, it's it's not 2005 anymore, Phil. Things are just well. Utah State quarterback, you know, 48 hours, and you, and you got two pretty big moves. Yeah, two very big moves. I think we are going to do that this year, and especially uh, schedule-wise. You know, there's going to be some schedule changes, I think, between now and the start of the football season. So we'll have, we will update that on the uh, on the digital version. All right, Phil. We appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us. Hey, a lot of fun as always, guys. Great talking football with you today. Phil Steele, check him out. He's got his uh, college football preview out. Phil Steele's college football preview. We appreciate him joining us. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Now, Yach, PK, as you know, Yach is into recruiting. He's, uh, you know, got his own website podcast thing when he's not, you know, working on our show. He's doing that. He is all about college football. Do you think Yach has the Donovan Mitchell interview? Did that all work out while we were talking college football? We Did, do have it. Really? He finally came out? Yeah. Cool. Still waiting for George Yang, but George have, hasn't come out yet. We have Phil. I mean, Phil, we have Donovan. I knew it. See, you're totally into the college football. All right, so Donovan happened. We will have that for you next. You'll hear from Donovan Mitchell. George Yang, if he comes out, if we get him, we'll get that for you too. But Donovan definitely on the way. Stay with us. Basketball is back. The Zone Sports Network is keeping you up on all the latest news with the Utah Jazz in the NBA. This is a back-to-basketball update. Oh, he never looked at the net. Presented by Zions Bank on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Utah Jazz Center Rudy Gobert stirred some controversy. We call the NBA anonymous tip hotline petty during media availability. I don't know if someone's going to use it, but I think it's sort of petty. At the same time, you want to make sure that people respect the rules. Clippers coach Doc Rivers had some fun with the topic, saying, I turned in LeBron yesterday. I'm turning in Pop today. I'm trying to turn all these guys in. I think it's phenomenal. We're going to be the only team left when I'm done with this hotline thing, he joked. Kings guard De'Aaron Fox sprained ankle out 7 to 10 days, and he'll be re-evaluated. He was leading the Kings in points, assists, and steals before the season was paused in March. That's your Back to Basketball update presented by Zions Bank on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. For a bank that understands your business, Zions Bank is for you. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.
DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We're brought to you in part by Larry H. Miller, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ramey, and Sandy. Find your deals online at LHMDeals.com. The Jazz open play two weeks from today. July 30th, they play the New Orleans Pelicans. And the Pelicans, with the big news here, Zion Williamson, there's been some kind of medical emergency uh, in the family, and he has had to leave the bubble uh, don't know how long he'll be away. Don't know what who the emergency is, what happened, how long he'll be out. Obviously, after some quarantine when he comes back. Uh, two weeks, there's still plenty of time to get him back for that, but uh, he has left the bubble. So that's the, uh, the news here in this last hour. All right, Donovan Mitchell meeting with the media. We'll let you listen in to his comments after their practice today. Here's Donovan. Hey, Donovan, good to see you. Hey, Eric, how you doing? Good, thank you. So we heard that, uh, that George was a full participant in practice today uh just wondering kind of what he looked like out there and and also what your expectations are for for what he can bring to the team going forward now that you guys are just like well like two weeks away from playing your first game yeah um yeah it's good to have him out there you know for the full end of practice you know it kind of doesn't feel like he's been missing because he's always uh, a spark you know whether it's talking or it's um you know going through drills and he's not a guy that you know it didn't take too long to kind of remember plays, remember certain things. So for him, it was like, you know, it was, it was really easy to kind of jump right in. And for us, it was like he didn't miss a beat. Uh, so it was good to have him back. And, yeah, we're, we're, we're locked in and ready for the, for the next two weeks and getting ready to play on, on the, the 22nd. Thank you. Right. <clears throat> Great. Next question will be from Tim Reynolds, AP. Hey, Donovan, good morning. Good to know you, And good. And you're right. This is the weirdest thing in the world. So 100% on that. I know this has been talked about a little bit already, but do you think in an empty arena, the interaction between opposing players when it comes to maybe some of the extracurricular talking and stuff like that, or the, the, the interaction between players and referees, because there's not going to be a sound barrier there. There's not going to be 20,000 people muffling the noise. Do, do you think that's going to change much from what? No. Uh, not, not at all. I feel like that's, you're just going to get an open, open, open gym kind of vibe, I think, uh, from a fan experience. I don't know what uh, the NBA is playing for the TV, but as far as being in the, being in, you know, the arena, I think you're really just going to see what guys talk about an open gym. And honestly, everybody's so worried about the trash talking. But there's a lot of like just jokes being made on the floor. Obviously, we come play out time. That kind of goes out the window. But um, it's going to be weird at first. But at the end of the day, we've all played pickup in empty gyms, and I feel like that's what it's going to feel like as far as talking to each other but uh there'll be some things that it'll that'll pick up and definitely allow for you know you guys to kind of run with and, and have fun with because it's just the nature of the game but um, i don't think it'll be any different at all thank you okay next question will be from tony jones the athletic hey donovan how you doing what up Tony? how you doing good good uh you know what are some of the things that that you are focusing on you know for Try your individual game in terms of what you want to improve. Uh, you know, from March heading into the to the restart. Uh, becoming a better passer, I think that's our more willing passer. I think getting into the lane, you know, obviously, you know, get there, you know, and. Um, 
take certain shots, whatever. But I think being able to find my teammates, especially with with Boyan being out, we're going to need guys to kind of pick it up and, and kind of pick up the slack that he had. So for us, like for me, you know, obviously uh, take the shots that I can get, but also being able to find my teammates, getting them easier looks, which will then also come back and make it easier on myself. But being able to do that, I think, will not just help me for where we are now, but help me for years upon my career. All right, next question, Sarah Todd, Desert News. Hey Donovan, um, I know that over the over the quarantine break that you worked out in LA and you had a couple of the young guys on the team that were out there, Mie and um, Rajon, and th- you, you've got a lot of those young guys that are actually on the team and kind of going against them in practice. Can you tell me what you've seen out of them, whether in LA or just while you've been in Orlando? I think the biggest thing with all of them is the the willingness to learn. You know, um, I think that's one thing I really I really like about them. Their work ethic. You know, uh, whether we, when I shoot late at night by myself, you know, I've seen guys uh, some of the rooks kind of come in and, and get their work in as well as they should. And you know, I, I think that's the the biggest part, the dedication to the game. Um, and it's gonna it's tough. You know, you come into a position where you know the, throughout the majority of the year you don't play much, and then you get down here and you never know what when your opportunity may come. Um, so I think it's tough to kind of keep and stay locked in, but they've done a great job of that. And they, they don't go anywhere without each other. <laughs> um, so I, I've noticed that that's a good thing. It builds camaraderie and they're always working out. And then when, the, when we were in LA with uh, Rajon and Mie, continuously asking questions and just playing with confidence. You know, I think the biggest thing is just being confident. So when your moment comes, just being ready to, to knock a shot down, be ready to, to get a stop, you know, whatever it may be. I think that's one, one thing I've really seen from those guys. All right, next question from Ben Anderson, KSL Sports. Hey, Donovan, uh, you're wearing the Stars sweatshirt right now. What's the story behind that? I'm seeing a lot of guys wearing them. It was pretty popular last night on social media. I wasn't really. Uh, um, honestly, I saw it in my locker and grabbed it. <laughs> um, I thought it was a uh, pretty, pretty cool uh, to have a little throwback uh, stars uh, sweatshirt. And I like shooting in, sh- in sleeves like this, so um, that's really the story behind it. There wasn't really anything else. I didn't even know it was on on social media like that. But you know, I like it. Uh, it's, it's a it's a cool color, and um, hopefully, I can get a few more. Right, next question, Eric Woodyard, ESPN. Okay, so I think they probably may want to have just to... Come on, you take yourself off mute. Uh, Eric, we can't hear you. <clears throat> All right, we'll, we'll come back to him in one second. First, uh, we'll go to Sam Amick, uh, The Athletic. Donovan, good to see you. Um, hope you're hanging in there okay. I was hoping to, to get your perspective on the coach's challenge here in terms of Quinn and the idea that these guys know X's and O's like the back of their hand, but, but no, none of the coaches in this league have really been through something like this. When you figure that they're away from their families, uh, they're trying to, to be incredibly uh, empowering and, and kind of in lockstep with you guys when it comes to Black Lives Matter, you have the coronavirus situation, and you guys are all going through it together, but but their roles in particular seem to be, you know, a lot more than normal. How do you see just kind of the way Quinn is handling that and that challenge? I think Coach has done a great job. And I, I, like I said, I think it's, it's – 
it's huge to see coaches, you know, just kind of coming down and it's really turned into kind of like a college atmosphere. You know, I think, uh, I think coach, uh, coach Quinn, we're, we're all really close as a team, but you know, some teams aren't always like that. So I think it's allowed for all coaches to kind of get closer to their players in the mail rooms, practice bus, like, uh, there's like the extra like hour or hour, two hours that you get with your players that doesn't necessarily happen. So you kind of find out more about them and then vice versa. You find more about, find more out about your coach. You know, um, I've obviously formed a great relationship with coach Quinn and, you know, always kind of just, whether it's a text or a call, you know, because at the end of the day, I don't, I don't have kids, but I can only imagine if I, if I did the, the amount it'd be on my, on my brain. So, you know, I, I always let coach know I appreciate all the coaches, uh, Quinn, uh, Johnny, who I work with, um, Zach Guthrie, Vince, like there's so many uh, guys, Lamar Skater, like there's so many coaches on our staff that I just, I say thank you to, you know, not even just the coaches, the training staff, uh, the equipment guys, like, you know, they obviously we're all making a sacrifice to be down here um, for, for the greater good. But I think that's, that's the biggest thing just being able to show that you appreciate it because, you know, at the end of the day, this is a job, but family comes first, uh, family, and life as a whole comes first and for them to be able to sacrifice and come down uh, says a lot to us as players and says a lot to should say a lot to the fans because obviously players the sacrifice coming down here but the coaches the training staff the equipment guys uh, those deserve a huge shout out as well appreciate it okay we're gonna try going back to eric woodyard eric I think you're still on mute, but you can. Oh, can y'all hear me? Can y'all hear me? I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> can you hear me? Yeah. Hey. Oh, what's up, Don? You all right? I'm good. Man. Hey, you? man. I like that Salt Lake City Star shirt too, man. That's dope. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. <laughs> so for you, man, you know, adjusting to this role, man, you know, from 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 being a rookie to second, you know, to, to your third season, have it, have you adjusted into this role? I mean, obviously, you about to come out with a second season your sneaker, but how much have you adjusted just to this role of you being a franchise guy? And, just, just take me through that where you at right now, man. Uh, I think the biggest thing for me is not run, not allowing, you know, the name I've created on the floor and off the floor to kind of affect the work that I've been doing, you know, continuing to to work on my game, get better as a teammate, better as a leader, better as a player uh, in so many different ways. I think that's really where it starts because, you know, it's easy to kind of get what I've been able to be given at an early age and early in your career and kind of just, you know, chill you know and I think that's the that's the I try to do the exact opposite uh and just kind of just focus and, and focus on myself in the game and let everything else kind of flow the way it has been I've been blessed to you know they've been granted with an opportunity as a rookie you know unfortunately I seized that opportunity and I've been kind of going with it ever since but yeah you're right I've, I've kind of honed in as trying to be the leader of this team and going out there and just leading these guys any way I can whether it's meals it's it's gaming it's on the floor pick and roll defense like whatever it may be just kind of going out there and just be trying to be the voice because you know at the end of the day yeah i'm three years in but i i kind of see myself as a little bit more than that um and i think that's really where my head is at you know not really thinking about wow you know i've been able to get all this i appreciate it and i'm blessed but you know um the team that we're playing doesn't really care about that they honestly it's about going out there and getting wins and, and being the best player and being the best teammate I can be. All right, great. And we have one last question. This one will be from Kyle Goon, Orange County Register. Kyle. Hey, what's up? It's it's the uh, reunion tour here between me and Eric. <laughs> Donovan, you used the words uh, college campus to, to describe what you're going through right now. I was wondering if you compare this at all to your Team USA experience. And is there just 
kind of even going further than that, is there something weird about just being physically around potential playoff opponents and, and guys you're going to play in just a couple of weeks? Yeah, I feel like it'll be different when the games start. I think right now I know a lot of guys throughout the league just from just from relationships that I've built. So it's really been like that's where I kind of got the AU kind of college feel from it. Um, but once we start playing, I think really once the playoffs begin, I think that's when you start to see the separation, um, you know, from guys. Even I shouldn't even say that. Even when the game starts, you start seeing separation, but uh, and the competitive mindset kind of flip. But right now it's just been kind of good to catch up with guys and, you know, obviously kind of going through a crazy experience and us being in a, in a bubble and kind of having the whole world watching what we're doing, you know, and just kind of just – for me, like I've known a lot, a lot of these guys, like you know Jason Tatum, obviously uh, Bam, um, Kuz. Like there's so many guys here that I've known for for a little bit. Uh, so being able to kind of eat and, and 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 chill with them, I think it's been cool. But once once the game starts, I think it'll be a little bit different for sure. And just as a quick follow up, is there something sort of democratizing about even guys like LeBron, Kawhi, Giannis, the biggest stars in this league, sort of having the same set up as as guy as the rest of the guys in this camp honestly i don't really no i don't mean to strike i don't really care you know what their setup is i think at the end of the day um we came down here to hoop i didn't come down here to kind of compare you know who's staying where and who's doing what you know we all have our assumptions and it is what it is but at the end of the day we all play in the same court to have the shoes the same way put the same type of jersey on so at the end of the day it's about who's go out there and be competitive um and kind of go from there you know and um those guys that you name, they've they've earned the right to kind of have their name and whatever it is. But you know, like I said, I'm a I'm a guy who's three years in, and we have guys on this team that are ready to prove themselves as well. And that's that's really what we can be focused on. There's Donovan Mitchell with the media and PK. I could just feel you. I don't care about all that. I came down here to hoop. Did you fist punch the air when you heard that? Yeah, absolutely, because that's what it's about. I really believe these guys are going to rise to the occasion because the whole sporting world is going to be – their eyes and attention are going to be focused on them. It's going to be unlike anything we've ever seen. And so they always – they're showmen, they're entertainers, and they always want to perform well when the spotlight's on them. And the spotlight is going to be on them in a manner that has never been on them. That's why I'm anticipating this in two weeks, and I believe it's going to be a fun time for all of us who like to watch this stuff. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Your feedback or George Nang coming up next. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Feedback of the day is brought to you by Audi Salt Lake City. Where you can pick up a new Audi Q5 SUV for only $3.59 per month. Visit Audi Salt Lake City at 999 South State or AudiSaltLakeCity.com. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. Do I get to read this? I don't usually get feedback from PK during the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, am I right? You are. Go ahead and tell people what the heck. <laughs> well, Phil Steele was just going on about Todd Graham in Hawaii and how he has a great team and everything's awesome. I lived with that for five or six years down in Tempe. <laughs> Remember, I used to tell you about it. Hey, I used to tell hey, you about it all the time. This was the best October Tuesday practice we've ever had. <laughs> like, the superlatives <laughs> were outrageous. <Every> day. <laughs> That's just his personality, and good for him. But when he goes off, of course, Phil is going to hear that from Todd because Todd's never had a bad day. They get beat by 40, and, yeah, man, we're going to have the best day ever we've had tomorrow. I just know it. So that's what he's chosen to do. 
What I want to acknowledge, I better see some tweets now because Eric Woodyard, who's a young guy, he had some issues with that Zoom getting the voice, uh, getting his voice heard. <laughs> so it's not a bunch of old guys. I better, I better six, see all these PK. tough guys. Star six. Oh, yeah. I better see all these tough guys who managed to tweet that me and Dirk had. Uh, Dirk Facer didn't, the sound didn't come on right away. I, I better hear that. The funniest thing better be these young guys. Nope. Oh, Age yeah. discrimination, PK. Right. You should only hope that you're doing this 18 years. Yeah, come on now. Mm. So One of you we'll won't see, be. See. We'll see how that goes. But, uh, yeah, sometimes it happens. You tweeted out, I mean, I guess, I guess that uh, Donovan Mitchell was wearing a star shirt, and you asked if he got that from Boone. Apparently, Boone was not on, he didn't. on that 1971 team that won the title, right? He didn't join them till the following season. Oh, did he? I don't know well, that. I, I don't. He I, joined in 71, and they won in 71. But he, so he was a rookie, to, and they had won the title the year before. Is that the way it worked? Would lead me to believe that, uh, yeah, if he, if he joined in 71 and they won in 71, that it would probably be the fall of 71 versus the spring or summer whenever the ABA season coincided with the NBAs in those days, did it not? Uh, he came in mid-season in the 70-71 year. He had been oh, so with the he, Texas Chaparrales. Uh, he wasn't in the picture then. They had a picture of it, and I didn't see him. So when that. they took the team photo, they usually do that at the start of the year, I assume. I'd have yeah. to ask Ron about the, all these details, but I'm looking at his stats right now. And he did. Uh, he played 86 games in an 84-game season. Was, well, they played 84. Huh? He did a thorough Bailey right there. Yeah, uh, yeah. the Iron Man, you know, because his Twitter handle is 1041 straight because he played in 1,041 consecutive games. And you can see in all the NBA years after the merger, he's in Kansas City, he's with the Lakers, he's got all these 82-game seasons. Uh, and in his ABA years, he played 84 every year, but he played 86 that year because he played 42 with Texas, Boys. which was San Antonio, and then uh, 44 games with the Stars when he joined in midseason. Man, no one's going to beat that record. There it is. Say 86 games in a single season. Yeah. I've always felt that the ABA didn't get its proper due because, you know, how many teams were in the NBA at that time stands the reason because they had a f- – how many teams did they have? Eight, ten, twelve? What was it? I don't uh, know. They were expanding pretty quickly in the late 70s and early uh, – late 60s okay, and early this, 70s. Okay. So it'll depend on the year, uh, you know, were they at 10, were they at 12. Um, I think they got up to 16. I'm looking right now at the 1971-72 season when the Lakers had their 69-win season and 33-game win streak. And it was a 17-team uh-huh. league that year. 17. That stands, stands to reason that there was a lot of quality players who were still playing that game at the ABA level. Yes. So, I mean, I don't remember that team by any stretch, but my guess is that Stars team that won the ABA ABA title was a really good team with full of really good players. Yeah. Yeah. So if you go back to 1970, it was a 14 team league at that point. This expansion was starting to take off. Yeah. Didn't a bunch of teams, didn't they expand in like 68, 69? Mm -hmm. Yeah. They, by, by the time you get here to 1970, the Seattle Supersonics are a team, the San Diego Rockets, who later moved to Houston, obviously they're a team. Uh, so that was an expansion team. The San Diego Rockets were an expansion team. They were. And so were the Milwaukee Bucks. They were in the league. And Phoenix was in there right around that Phoenix time. Phoenix was too, in, in 1970 also, yeah. Yep. Yeah. 
they expanded quickly and probably in part because they saw the threat and then they looked around at Major League Baseball and thought, yeah, what are we doing? <laughs> and we get paid for this? Let's do it. Plus, I believe there was a lot of talented players who were capable of making rosters. Well, there were. And I think that the players in the 70s who had the timing, like like Ron Boone, right? A very good player in the NBA, but not the celebrity of some of the, you know, uh, I don't know, Dr. J, obviously, uh, David Thompson, right? But Booner comes into the league, and then you look how many more l- years he plays in league. So obviously, you know, not only Booner, but players of his caliber throughout the league who did that, who came in, and depending on how old you are, if you play three more years, you play five years, you play seven years, yeah. and then when you come in the league, yeah, the league had to be pretty good because look how many NBA players there were. You know, it's not like they exactly. merged the leagues and then all these, because some of the ABA teams got folded, only four got let in. So there's competition for jobs, although there's also expansion because Portland's coming into the league. You know, the league kept expanding through the 70s. Uh, but the fact that all those guys kept jobs, they didn't all stay as teams. You couldn't measure the teams, but I think the NBA did that because they were afraid it would look bad if an ABA team came in and won it. So they let the franchises in, but they scrambled all the rosters. You know, they didn't oh, they didn't okay. let Dr. J and his team come in together. You know, they had a dispersal draft and then they they basically hammered the ABA teams to make sure that they wouldn't come in and come in and, you know, win 60 games and make everybody, you know, win a title and make everybody look bad. I would have been fine with it. I wasn't following. You know what's really cool? I know we got to go, but I want to say this real quick. I think Donovan Mitchell talking about how playing in empty gyms, none of us played in the NBA, obviously, but we can all relate to playing pickup, whether it's a college campus, uh, auxiliary gym or whatnot, and there's yeah. no fans. And so that's what's going to be fun about this. It's going to be more relatable because there's not going to be 18,000 people going nuts. And all of us at one point or another have played some form of basketball in a pickup game or a church league game or city game where there's nobody there and that's what these guys have and that's what's that's part of the fun that i'm anticipating when we get there in a couple weeks well when he said you know you'll hear the jokes too and you can all you can think about that you know some guy makes an outrageous shot and you know the game basically stops everybody you know lights him like really could you do that again i've been on the receiving end of that stuff you know but and then as he pointed out he says well it's the playoffs a lot of that isn't going to happen you know the playoffs even better intense right All right, DJ and PK, Hans and Scott are up next. We will see you tomorrow with Joe Ingles.